0: official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.
1: So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and if I were the guest, most of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer or are at least familiar with kind of a general idea of what prayer is, but I would also guess that in regard to our asking, what does it mean, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Prayer can often seem unattainable or difficult for a lot of us. Anyone else or just me? I know for myself, uh, when I think about prayer, uh, certain images come to my mind of of those who got it, you know, like those who have it all together. And you might call this type of person like a prayer warrior. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So if you ask me, you're like, hey, Ian, you pray for me. Or if I, or if I said, hey, you know what? I've been praying for you. I might mean like I might, might have offered up like a really short, like quick prayer or even thought about you just like really briefly. But like a, like a, a prayer warrior, this is the type of person who they like send you an email in the, in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m. They're like, I'm up. The Holy Spirit woke me up and I'm praying for you. And when they say they prayed for you, what they really mean is they, they spent two or three hours on their knees interceding for you before the throne room of God, right? And then right after that, because they were up, they decided to pray for a few more hours, and they're praying for everything, right? They're praying for uh, the, the global refugee crisis. They're praying for politicians who are headed into meetings to discuss the climate change crisis. And they're even praying for their neighbor's dog who's gone missing, right? It's like, it's like an unattainable thing to me, for me to imagine often when I think about prayer, or, or, or maybe we, we imagine, if you're like me as well, maybe like a group of people sitting in like a church basement somewhere or a living room, they're like knitting and drinking really bad coffee or tea, and sitting around praying for all the needs in the community, and so we have the, there, there's something I think, beautiful about both of those examples, and yet there's something unattainable and maybe even dull for some of us that we just can't wrap our minds around uh, being the type of person who engages in the practice of prayer which Jesus invites us into. But when we engage Jesus' teaching On prayer, particularly Jesus' teaching that we know as the Lord's Prayer, I believe this that the practice of prayer not only becomes attainable, but it becomes something that we can actually find great joy in. It's a practice that we can find great joy in. And and, and the beauty of Jesus' teaching, as we're about to see here uh, in Matthew chapter 6, is it's simple and straightforward. There's nothing confusing about it. It's not unattainable. So it's simple and straightforward. And that's awesome because for those of us who are just beginning to think about and integrate the practice of prayer in our lives, um, it's simple and straightforward. It's a simple and straightforward invitation. But I've also found in my experience praying through thinking about considering the Lord's Prayer that it's it's a teaching who's well is deep. It's deep enough for even those of us who might be representative in this room who are more seasoned in prayer, who are able to continue uh, to draw from this deep well of a teaching as we seek to grow closer to God in prayer. And so this morning, my goal is not to blow anyone's mind with a teaching or to offer any particular new insight into the Lord's Prayer. My goal this morning is for us to look together as a community at Jesus' teaching on prayer and look at how it might offer us a template or a way of praying um, that would be helpful in not only kind of initiating us into the practice of prayer or or, or pushing us further deep into the practice of of prayer in our own lives, but that we might uh, find all sorts of uh, new joy And beauty there that we may have not seen previously. So, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start reading in verse 7 where we left off last week. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Pagans just means like non-Jewish folk. For they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Simple, right? This then is how you should pray. Jesus offers like a simple prayer. It's almost a poem or a break in the text. Uh, It was meant to be memorized. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he says, he adds on a little tagline, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So a prayer we are all fairly familiar with. Again, I believe Jesus is doing something here. He's giving his followers a template of prayer, a template for how prayer can work. What does it look like? In Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, we, Luke actually records a little detail that Matthew doesn't record. He says that the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. It's actually the only account in all of the Gospels where the, the disciples are followers of Jesus. They asked Jesus something specific. Teach us to do this. Teach us to pray. So they ask him, teach us to pray, and then... He gives this teaching on the Lord's Prayer. We have a little bit of a longer version in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 6 is kind of like the director's cut, you might say. But so, so what Jesus is doing here is he's offering his followers a template for prayer. People who are asking, teach us to pray. And uh, Dallas Willard, who I think I've maybe quoted on every sermon thus far, <laughs> in our teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, because of his book, The Divine Conspiracy, uh, is kind of based on that, and that's been an incredibly formative book for myself. But he actually says that we could be, we could call this prayer the Disciples Prayer as well, because it's in this prayer, this prayer should be the bedrock, the framework, the template for Jesus's followers' approach to prayer. I said that word prayer a lot. I'm going to give a just a an umbrella definition of what I mean when I'm referring to prayer this morning. And it's meant to have a lot of room for us to uh, be imaginative in the ways that we think about prayer, because I don't want it to be thought of in a very narrow way. But prayer is how we relate and converse with God. Prayer is how we relate and converse with God. So it's not just the transaction of information. And it's not just getting information from us to God. It's, it's actually relational and conversational. And so this means that prayer is not only talking to God, but being with, relating to, having a conversation, listening. And so prayer is, it isn't just the transfer of information. And so we're going to break down Jesus's teaching on prayer as a template in two different sections. We're gonna look at this first section of the Lord's Prayer in a little bit more detail. And next slide. In an in orientation. So this first way that Jesus is inviting, inviting us into prayer is orientation. There's a certain, there's a certain certain things, certain truths, certain realities about God and the world that we are invited to orient our hearts toward in prayer. So it starts with orientation, and then then it moves to petition. This is just requesting, asking God uh, to meet our daily needs, our wants, our desires, to engage in the particular circumstances in our lives. And so when Jesus teaches this template for prayer, he starts with orientation, and then moves to petition, asking. So I want to look at four ways this first section, orientation, uh, four specific ways we are invited to orient ourselves towards God in prayer. And the first is this, uh, God is our Father, communal and relational. So God is communal and relational in nature. It's a truth, reality we are to orient ourselves toward. Two, God is near. Three, we are invited into the joyful, generous, mysterious presence of God, for prayer matters. You could actually take the S from that prayer and move it to matter. Prayers matter to God and make a difference here and now. So we start with our Father. Next slide. The first truth reality Jesus invites us to orient our hearts toward as we pray is God as our Father. Now, there's nothing insignificant, I think, about Jesus beginning with the word our, because it tells us a couple things about prayer. It tells us not only is prayer something we are to engage with a community of followers of Jesus, but that, that when we pray, we are actually praying with Jesus, Himself. And so prayer is communal, not only in that we pray together as a church family, as followers of Jesus, but prayer is we're in prayer we're actually invited to pray with Jesus. We're invited into a conversation, a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Next slide. I just thought this is a beautiful image. Uh, representing Trinity. And so we're invited in prayer to enter into a conversation and a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that's existed for eternity. And so some scholars, some theologians, they call this relationship, this community of the divine, Father, Son, and Spirit, Trinity. And they use this interesting word, perichoresis, to describe their relationship. It's a Greek word, and it actually speaks of kind of like this divine dance. And so in prayer, the first thing we're orienting our hearts toward is this idea that we're invited into the same conversation, the same relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. That's the foundation of everything. Good, beautiful, full of love, joy, beauty in the universe. Now, that's a good place to start, right? That's pretty cool. Not a bad place to start, Jesus. So, our Father, I, I recognize, and I just want to talk about up front, that there's complexity in this invitation to orient our hearts to the reality of God. Our Father, because I, I can personally imagine a number of scenarios where this could be an incredibly difficult truth, reality to orient our hearts towards God as our Father, if perhaps our earthly father abandoned us or we have a strained relationship with our father, or our father is no longer with us, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. there could be all sorts of pain associated with this image of father. And so we start with acknowledging that and also saying that we might need to take a long path of healing, maybe counseling, therapy, chatting with pastors uh, before this image of father can be redeemed in our imagination. So I just want to acknowledge that up front. Uh, But I acknowledge that because I actually believe that this is a beautiful truth that Jesus wants us to be able to orient our hearts toward in prayer. That the invitation to know and relate to God as our Heavenly Father isn't an invitation only for those of us who might have a present, really good, and healthy relationship with our our fathers or or positive experiences with father that that actually all of us are invited into a relationship with God who loves us as our perfect heavenly father and so the simple truth about this 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 or this way we are to orient ourselves towards God in prayer is this we're invited into communion and relationship with a benevolent and loving God who has every good intention toward us as his children. We're invited into communion and relationship with a good and benevolent God who has every good intention towards you as his child. The best image I could have for this is next slide. It's me and my girls, baby Zia and Anaya, who's becoming less and less of a baby every day. Next slide. We're playing Mario Kart there. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, you can keep it right there. I'm stuck in a diaper box, and they're smashing me. (laughs) I am not by any means a perfect dad. In fact, most of the time, I'm just trying to keep it all together. Right, Naya? Yeah, <laughs> but I actually really hanging out with my daughters, and I, I think they really like hanging out with me sometimes as well. When I come home, I hear this little pitter patter of feet, and it's Zia coming to the top of the stairs. And sometimes I get more than this, but most of the time it's just a da da, and then she just kind of runs away. Not so much from an eye anymore. I might hear like some sort of groan or growl from the living room, but they know, they understand that I have every, I have good intentions toward them as their father. And in that, they want to spend time with me, relate with me, hang out, play Mario Kart, try and shove me into a diaper box and step on top of me so I cannot breathe. So... Slide. Second way we're to orient ourselves toward God is God is near. Our Father in heaven. The Lord's Prayer also invites us to orient our hearts towards the nearness of God. So in heaven is actually somewhat of an unfortunate translation for a few reasons, because we often think of heaven as some other place that's far off. But that's just not the biblical understanding of or reality of the word heaven. In fact, that the the Greek word is the Greek word oranos, as it appears in Jesus' teaching on prayer. Oranos. And so this stanza in the Lord's Prayer could read, Our Father in the Heavens. It's actually plural in Greek. Our Father in, in the heavens, but it's important to note the meaning and use of this Greek word because it can actually be translated like this: the air or the atmosphere all around you. We saw in Matthew chapter three, just a few chapters before chapter six. We can do the math uh, that that God as Father declares His blessing on Jesus from the air, from the atmosphere. Now, now think about the air for a moment. It surrounds you, right? It's all around you. It it even fills your lungs as you breathe in and out. God is as close to you as the air you breathe. God is as close to you as the air you breathe. Next slide. Nicholas of Cusa. I'm not even sure who this is, but he has a really sweet quote. God is the reality whose center is everywhere. And whose circumference is nowhere. I thought it was a beautiful way of saying God is near. In fact, He is as close as the air we breathe. Next slide. We are invited into the joyful, generous, mysterious presence of God. Hallowed be your name. This is an interesting one because we don't really use the word hallowed, right? Like, when Luann and I have date night, I'm not like, yo, Luann, you're looking hallowed tonight. It's just not something we use. It's like an old-timey word. Um, it, it just means to keep separate or it's, it, to make unique, create a special place for. And it's a word I believe we have a bit of an imaginational hindrance with. Side note, imaginational is a word. I emailed Abby. I said, Abby is imaginational a word? And she said, yes, it is. Thank you for teaching me a new word. First time I've ever taught Abby a new word. But when I imagine this word hallowed, I I think of like a really deep voice being like in like a pious tone, being like hallowed. Anyone else? That voice wasn't too deep. (laughs) Someone is like, "You need to try harder in your deep uh, baritone voice in anyways it just it, it means to honor, to sanctify, the, to set apart, to treat with the highest respect and uh, and he, he says, hallowed be your name now there's, there's no doubt to me that the, Jesus has in mind the name of God found in the old testament we 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 say yahweh right but it's it's actually in hebrew it's yod hey va hey it's like this set of hebrew letters that if you're if you were a faithful israelite you would hallow the name of god so much you would not even utter the words and so we're actually not even quite sure how this word is even pronounced and that that's how highly regarded it was. There's this element of revering God as mystery. Um, and so to, to orient our prayers in this way, according, to, we, we are to orient our prayers according to God's highest ideals and God's character that's revealed in scripture and in the person of Jesus. And so we're invited in prayer to orient our hearts toward the mystery of God. We're invited in prayer to orient our our hearts to the mystery of God. Now, some of us might be less inclined to view mystery as a worthy word to describe God, as a worthy way of hallowing God's name. But I actually believe this, that Acknowledging God as mystery is an amazing place to start. Um, Richard Rohr says this, speaking of knowing God and orienting our hearts towards God as a mystery. He says this. Oh, awesome. To say God is mystery is not to say God is not knowable, but it is to say that God is endlessly knowable. In other words, in prayer, we're invited into knowing God as mystery, which doesn't mean we're invited to be confused about who God is, but that we get to endlessly know God in all his generosity, in all his joy, goodness, beauty for all eternity. So in other words, if prayer is boring to us, maybe God's not the problem maybe we're the problem. Next slide. Prayer matters to God and makes a difference here and now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So so this this stands of the, the prayer prayers intended to first and foremost orient our hearts to the reality that prayer matters to God and makes a difference here and now. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God, he's actually speaking of something that's dynamically present and active in Jesus himself. Jesus's life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, his burial, his resurrection, through all of these things, God's restoring, reconciling a broken world. He hasn't abandoned the world. But this truth reality is also still being worked out through God's work in the world, and through the people of God brought together by the person of Jesus. Scott McKnight says it this way, The story of God in the Bible is the story that God is creator, Lord, and redeemer, and that God's plan for history is for it all to be summed up with Christ as Lord and God ruling over the entire world The petitions, he's actually speaking of these petitions here in Matthew chapter 6, are fundamentally gospel aches, the ache for the full story to become complete since the kingdom is already making itself present. And since we are called to live now in light of that future consummation, each and every act of love, peace, justice, and wisdom that we do enters that final kingdom reality. It's good. You can keep it up there for a moment. Scott McKnight will preach. This doesn't... <laughs> so we're to orient our, our hearts toward this reality that God cares about this world here and now, that he's doing something about it through the person of Jesus, through the people of God, and that even though we haven't seen as McKnight puts it, future consummation, all is made right, that he's doing something now. And we're invited to be participants in that. So this is the template. These are the four things we're to orient our hearts toward. Next slide. There we go. Orientation. This is a summary. Four truths, realities. We're to orient ourselves towards God. So God is our Father. He's communal, relational. God is near. We're invited into joyful, generous, mysterious presence of God. Prayers matter to God and make a difference here and now. Uh, This this past week, I started leading a a four-week workshop called Asking Better Questions. And one of the things we went over was the difference between a good question and a great question. And it was said that a good question is something that when you ask it, it gets you to know something about the person whom you asked it. But a great question gets them to know something about them, right? And so uh, I think prayer is a little bit like that. It's not just about getting information to God. Again, it's about orienting our hearts toward realities, truths about who God is in order for those realities, truths to form and transform who we are, and so when we 're formed by these realities that Jesus lays out in this this prayer, um, our prayers actually have the capacity to change the world. This doesn't always mean we get the answer we're looking for, but this does mean that certain things happen that only happen when we pray in such a way, and certain things don't happen when We don't pray in this way. Now, caveat. We're speaking of this as like a template or a form of prayer. It's not a magic formula. It's a template we can use in prayer and which can help form our approach to prayer. So, we move quickly to petition. There is a time and place in Jesus' prayer where we eventually move to petition, asking God, expressing our needs, wants, desires to God. After all, right? He's our Father. He has good intentions toward us. He cares about us. And so as we think about the Lord's Prayer as a template, we see that it does, in fact, include petition. But petition doesn't come first. It's important to note that order. The order matters. Slide. This is a quote from John Mark Comer. Pastor in Portland, Oregon, he says, Most of us play, pray, that's supposed to say pray, in the opposite direction as Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. Most of us start with, God, I want, don't let bad stuff happen to me, forgive me, here's a list of my needs and wants. And if we have a couple of extra minutes, oh yeah, and your will be done, your kingdom come, and all that stuff, that's considered the be an extra credit type prayer. But when you pray in the opposite direction, you're not praying the Lord's prayer. You're praying the American middle class prayer. That'll preach John Mark Homer. So order matters. Now, I don't want you to be stressed out about perfecting prayer. It's just an order, a form, a template. And prayer isn't easy as well. It's simple. It's straightforward as Jesus' is teach it, but it's not always easy. And so the point is to engage this text as a way of taking the right next step for you, no matter where you might be in your journey and being formed in prayer. So we're going to conclude this morning by actually having a, an opportunity to go through this prayer together. It's going to be um, like a guided exercise of prayer together to to just get our imaginations going to actually see how the Lord's prayer as a template might be able to be used um, in our own lives as we orient our hearts towards God in prayer. So hopefully, this becomes something that will help you see, experience how prayer can be used in your own life as an individual, or maybe with your family or a small group of friends, um, your tribe, whatever that be, in a home with your friends or your family. Um, I'll also publish some like additional resources on the podcast episode page when this podcast goes up, so you can have some other ways of engaging the Lord's Prayer as a template for prayer in your own life as well. And so we're going to take a moment to pray together. Is that okay? Amen, amen. And so um, I'd encourage you, if if your phone out um, or, or maybe any sort of other distraction, just like put it away and get into like a comfortable, alert, a comfortable but also alert position. I'll have like some really quiet music playing in the background, as well. Our Father. Take a minute or two, you can close your eyes, however best you're comfortable. Take a moment and think about the idea of God as your father with good intentions toward you. Uh, If you want to imagine God, maybe imagine a face, make eye contact. Just take a minute and do that. Think of God. If your mind wanders a little bit, like, that is okay. Um, Maybe just bring yourself back with a centering prayer, like, Father, or Jesus, or God. Our Father in heaven, take a moment, think about this idea that God is all around you, that God is near. As you breathe in and out, imagine yourself breathing in and out more of the Holy Spirit. Hallowed be your name. Just sit with the Father for a moment in joyful, grateful worship in the mystery of his presence. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hold some things in your heart right now that might be broken in your town, in your city, in our state, in our country, maybe even in our church community. And hold them in silence as your heart as I pray for God's kingdom to come here in Vermont. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in Vermont as it is in heaven. God, we lift up all of the ways in which the world is not set right here in our midst and the things that we hold Together in our hearts right now, we lift those things to you and we ask, Your kingdom come, Your will be done here and now. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you invite us into the story that you are telling, that your kingdom is present and active, and you have invited us to be participants in seeing your kingdom fully realized here and now. Jesus' name. So stay in kind of like a prayerful posture. The petition portion of the exercise, um, I'm not really going to teach on. We're just going to go through it. We're actually going to just kind of continue this prayer exercise together. I've actually invited a few people from our church to pray after just a really brief explanation of each stanza. Um, And so we're going to have an opportunity to actually verbally and non-verbally lift up our requests to God in relation to each of the remaining stanzas of the Lord's Prayer. First, give us each day our daily bread. Simply put, this is just everyday needs. As God's children... God cares about our daily needs, our wants, desires. And so um, I'm going to just provide us an opportunity to lift up verbally, non-verbally. Um, you could write down, hold something maybe in your heart or even shout out in the room right now specific needs, wants in your life um, or in your community, job, healing, wisdom to make a decision, etc. Just if you want to write something down or just hold it in your heart, that's okay. But I also wanted to provide an opportunity for you to just shout those out. And then Kayla's going to pray for all of those daily bread type of needs represented in our community. So we're going to have this opportunity to to lift those things up to God. If anyone has any need, desire, want, job, healing, wisdom, feel free to just shout it out. Let it be made known. Health. Father God, thank you that you made us to need
0: you. You made us to be dependent on you. All the things
1: spoken and unspoken, all the things in our hearts, the things that you know we need that we don't even know that we need yet, I'm asking for those. I'm asking for them in your name. Would you do the work, God? Would you bring us the things? that we require, and, and even more than that, would you bring us into deeper and closer dependent relationship on you through these daily bread needs? We're asking this in your name. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Brief note, being forgiven is connected to our forgiving others, so this doesn't mean we have to like or not have boundaries or others don't face consequences for their actions, but if God's forgiveness flows into us, the natural outlet is extending that same God-initiated forgiveness to others. Reflect for a moment, we're not going to do any shout-outs during this section, on the things you might want to ask God forgiveness for, specific areas in your life, and think about maybe those that God might be putting on your heart to release others to forgiveness. God, we ask that you would forgive our debts as we also are compelled and encouraged and emboldened by you to forgive those who may have sinned against us. We ask that your spirit would give us the wisdom and the insight we need forgive those who have sinned against us as we have been forgiven by you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Real briefly, temptation, evil, there are words that they just describe different trials, struggles, bad things, sins, troubles of any sort. Uh, They could be systems, could be individual things, um, just opposition to God and his rule and reign. And so I just invite you to take a, a minute reflecting on what these things might be in your life, specific temptations, struggles, specific sins, any kind of evil, spiritual evil, human evil, natural evil, trial you might um, be experiencing. And uh, Mark is going to lead us in prayer for protection and deliverance from and God's And for God's blessing of good things to flow into our lives, into our community.
0: Father, we forget oftentimes that we live in a battlefield. And that we have an enemy who wants to distract us, who wants to immobilize us, who wants to um, tempt us to um, find our satisfaction in in things other than you. And our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not um, the world that we see. It's not the... um, idols that uh, are offered to us, but it's really are your enemy that's against us. And so, Lord, remind us uh, that we live in a battlefield and that when temptations come and when pressures come, when distractions come, when uh, um, things are offered to us that are attractive and yet we know it's only short term, mm-hmm. remind us, Lord, of, of your faithfulness and that we can find everything that we need in you. And that um, that you want us to be light in the darkness, and that we live in a dark world, we live in a place that's full of, of sin and greed and, and uh, hostility, uh, but you want us to be light and uh, to live differently uh, and reflect who you are to the people in our life, in our family, in our neighborhood in our work in our workplace, in our community so give us uh, grace to to resist the enemy now in jesus name
1: amen amen thank you for joining me in that exercise we're going to finish just by praying the lord's prayer together
0: thank you for listening to our podcast Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.